Hello, and welcome to I Want to Fight Araki, a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure close analysis podcast. I'm Thomas. I'm Emily. And uh, hopefully you're listening to this because we're, we're trying out a new recording setup. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, quite, quite a lot of plot stuff to break down and one or two uh, theme things to break down. So uh, uh, why don't we just get right into the summary of Season 1, Episodes 19, 20, and 21, Battle Tendency, Episodes... 10, 11, and 12, I believe I believe that's right, hopefully. <laughs> um, anyway, let's just jump right into the summary. So, Von Storheim and Cars begin to fight it out as the cabin the Joe Bros were using as a hideout is destroyed. Von Storheim in the fight shows off all the new functions of his cybernetic body, including moving his limbs in impossible ways and utilizing a machine gun implanted into his chest. Cars is even caught off guard to the point where Von Stroheim is able to rip off one of Cars's fingers. Cars and Von Stroheim's battle eventually leads outside, where Cars displays his unique powers. His bone blades are actually covered in polished claws that can be rotated, but also because of their polish can refract light. While Von Stroheim was able to defend himself from Cars' basic attacks, he is chopped in half by Cars' chainsaw. Just as Cars secures the red stone of Aja from Von Stroheim, the Nazi Major shows off another ability of his, a small cannon located in his eye that fires UV rays. This causes Cars to drop the stone as he and Jojo race for it as it slides down a hill towards a cliff. Jojo initially takes the lead, but as Cars can afford to go all out, Cars takes over. Cars manages to grab the stone as he tumbles over the cliff, but Jojo has planned for that and kicks some snow into Cars' face, causing the Pillar Man to drop the stone for Jojo to catch. Cars isn't out of the battle yet, as he reveals his feet also possess blades, and he is and he's able to, ca to grab Jojo with it as the two fall. Jojo manages to use some Hamon to attach himself to an icicle, but the fix is only temporary. As the two fall further, Cars kicks Jojo into a wall and attempts to kill him, but is stopped as Jojo uses a stone as a shield. With Cars caught off guard, Jojo uses the opportunity to escape his freefall by channeling Hamon through icicles that were knocked loose, creating a rope with Caesar's assistance. Cars survives the fall naturally and decides to cut his losses and pursue the group tomorrow. Jojo and crew, meanwhile, head to the abandoned hotel the Pillar Men are using as a base. While Caesar, Lisa Lisa, and Messina believe that attacking during the day would be the best option, Jojo disagrees, citing the fact that the Pillar Men have experience fighting during the day and will be more on guard as a result. Lisa Lisa and Messina end up deferring to Jojo, but Caesar, frustrated by the lack of action, decides to face the Pillar Men by himself in order to avenge his family. Jojo is confused at Caesar bringing up his family at a time like this, and even wound up at, like this, and even more wound up, Caesar attacks Jojo. Lisa Lisa explains that Jojo struck a nerve and reveals Caesar's past to Jojo. Caesar was raised by his father Mario Zapelli and idolized him, but one day Mario disappeared, and with no mother, Caesar began nursing resentment for his father. After a few arrests, Caesar became a feared gang leader in Rome. Not the first blonde Italian teenager we'll see do that in this series. Until one day, he noticed Mario walking the streets. Wanting revenge on his father, Caesar followed only to discover the, the then-petrified Pillar Men. Caesar touched one of the jewels embedded in the wall, but knowing this to be a trap, Mario pushed Caesar out of the way. As Mario was absorbed by the Pillar Men, he told Caesar that he must seek out Lisa Lisa and train in Hamon. Thus, with the revelation that Mario was protecting Caesar, the youngest Zapelli devoted himself to destroying evil. Meanwhile, in the present, Caesar approaches the hotel, followed by Messina, when suddenly a seemingly invisible force cuts off Messina's arm and drags him into the hotel. Caesar deduces that this is Wamu, figuring out that Wamu is using his wind powers to wrap himself in a water vapor that is refracting the sunlight. Wamu reveals himself and says that he can tell Caesar is worthy enough to die by his hand. However, Caesar counters by displaying his new technique, the Hamon Bubble Cutter, which manages to do serious damage to Wamu. Wamu dives back into the hotel for cover, with Caesar pursuing him. 
The two trade blows, with Caesar making liberal use of the bubble cutter. Wamu is severely weakened by the assault, and for his finishing blow, Caesar reveals that he has hidden bubbles all over the battlefield, and that, thanks to the hole Wamu created, is using them as a series of magnifying glass glasses to direct the sunlight into Wamu. With Wamu on the brink of death, Caesar charges Wamu, but miscalculates as his body blocks the sunlight. With this opportunity, Wamu unleashes a point-blank divine sandstorm, knocking Caesar to the floor. Despite the fact that Caesar will soon die from blood loss, the Zapelli presses on and continues to attack Wamu. Wamu tells Caesar to stop fighting and that the battle is over, but Caesar is able to grab Wamu's antidote ring for Jojo. Caesar places the ring around his bandana, saying that it is always destiny for Zapelli to sacrifice themselves for someone. With the last bit of his strength, Caesar creates a Haman bubble out of his blood, letting loose a shout that rocks the building. Wamu briefly thinks about intercepting the bubble, but decides not to, honoring Caesar's last act as a warrior. Jojo and Lisa enter the ho Jojo and Lisa Lisa, gotta get the second Lisa in there, enter the hotel and discover Caesar's bubble. Jojo and Lisa Lisa realize that Caesar is dead, crushed under some fallen, fallen ceiling, and while Lisa Lisa tries to play it cool, she ultimately breaks down at the death of her student. As the two mourn Caesar's death, Jojo swears to fight like the devil in order to bring down the Pillar Men. Jojo and Lisa Lisa continue to infiltrate the hotel, having a brief conversation confrontation, sorry, I mean it's a conversation and a confrontation, with a vampire before appearing in front of the Pillar Men and their 100 vampire army. Rather than the groups fighting now, Lisa Lisa proposes a wager. She explains that she did not bring the Red Stone of Aja with her, and that the stone is rigged to explode should she and Jojo not return too. However, Lisa Lisa promises to bring the stone to, to a one-on-one -on -one battle between Jojo and Wamu, while Lisa Lisa would face cars and whoever would succeed in those battles would gain the stone. The Pillar Men agree and settle on an ancient arena called Skeleton's Heel Stone, but keep Lisa Lisa as insurance while Jojo fetches the stone. Jojo brings, Messina, brings back Messina to their base and fetches the stone with no bomb in sight. While snooping around Lisa Lisa's luggage, Jojo discovers a mysteri mysterious pictures of a young speed wagon, arena, and straightso holding a baby, along with a more recent picture of arena. Jojo heads to the designated place in time. He hands the stone to Lisa Lisa, but also confronts her about the picture. Lisa Lisa explains that she was the baby Arena rescued from the boat when Dio attacked, but with Arena unable to raise two children, Arena asked Straitso to raise the young Lisa Lisa, who taught her the power of Hamon. Lisa Lisa says that she has extremely mixed feelings about Jojo killing Straitso, but Lisa Lisa also says that they need to talk later, as Jojo is about to face Wamu. Wamu lays out the rules of the fight, as the two will engage in an ancient form of combat, a chariot duel, using vampire horses. As Jojo prepares to face the Pillar Man, he wraps Caesar's headband around his head, saying that Caesar is fighting his battle with him as well, and that he will not drink the antidote till Wamu is dead, as a promise to Caesar. End of episodes. Not to a lot happening. Yeah, there's a lot of plot bombshells in that one. Surprisingly enough, it's like I remember I was like, I don't have where I don't know where my brain cell went. Like <laughs> it's three episodes in a row, Emily. Come on. <laughs> um yeah, so brain cell. Sorry. Hand you the brain cell. <laughs> pass pass the brain cell. That's why it takes so long. Gotta gotta send it through the post office. Um Alright, so let's see. Why don't we get into um it's the first time we really see cars in combat so uh, why don't we talk about that for a little bit um i think it's pretty interesting that uh cars is i mean we could sort of debate whether or not he's this is like actually like an element he controls like uh acdc's heat or uh, wamu's wind but um i think it's interesting that um cars uh, quote-unquote, controls light um, by sort of bending it with his uh, blade, uh, especially because the Pillar Men are so vulnerable to light. Um, I think it's sort of... I think, you know, we always think about light as sort of a... Um, 
as like a, a godly or sort of divine um, sort Bond of symbol. Sandstorm. Sorry, go ahead. Divine sandstorm, that's all I said. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. Divine sandstorm uh, as well. Uh, so, um, but I think especially with Cars, who uh, out of all the Pillar Men is the most motivated in sort of this goal of evolution using um, the Redstone of Aja, using... Um, uh, the the mask to sort of ascend into godlyhood, um, and it's sort of like like Cars's like ultimate. I, I guess if we were to boil down Cars's character to uh, one word, you know, Wamu is sort of honor, and ACDC is sort of uh, sadism. Uh, then Cars is much like Dio is uh, driven by like his ambition, you know. Um, He's going to succeed. He's going to, uh, you know, be an incredibly powerful force uh, at all costs. Um, and, I, like, the dude is willing to um, fall into, like, a giant cliff. Like, I, Joseph says, like, the the distance of the top of the cliff to the bottom of the cliff is, like, taller than, like, um, the tallest skyscraper at the time. Like... I mean, Cars is just like, he's going to win at all costs. I feel like when you said there, it's sort of like he controls light. I'm not sure if exactly you can say that he controls it. He sort of just uses, like, I don't even think he, like, uses it just, you know, consciously. It's just because his chainsaw arms are so damn shiny. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um... I I feel like that contributes to like him being like, yes, I am a god. I want to evolve to become the ultimate being. It's just, you know, he already has this vibe of I know exactly what I'm doing and I can do it very elegantly. So he is sort of, because it's just shiny and reflect, refracting light and whatnot, it, you know, it's more like I don't even have to try to be cool. I just am. I already am a god. I'm just trying to become more of a god. I really like that, actually. Um, I, I think uh, it almost sort of lends this idea that he is, like, like pretending to be uh, a god and pretending to be uh, above, you know, we talk a lot about, we've talked a lot about in this season breakdown um, of, you know, Joseph is a pretender. He is a person who uh, fakes certain aspects of himself uh, to gain the upper edge against his enemy, but with Cars, his sort of um, pretending to be, you know, quote-unquote pretending to be a uh, higher being or a god or what have you, um, is it's sort of like a, um, a dark inversion of Joseph, where, like, Joseph uses his uh, pretending to... Uh, help himself win in combat and sort of help others occasionally. Uh, Cars is, um, it, it's really just for his uh, uh, self-confidence, essentially, uh, for him to uh, pretend to be this god. Um, and that's just another uh, thing that ties into his, uh, you know, feelings of ambition and his uh, that being his drive. Another thing that could contribute that once again back to the the shiny chainsaw arms it's like they're shiny but once again as you said they can't really the shiny doesn't really do anything the chainsaw arms certainly do <laughs> yeah it's just like, no no i mean I'm i trying to acquire a brain cell yeah, yeah. um yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would definitely agree. I think it's also interesting that um, he, uh, we've talked uh, a fair amount about um, sort of the underlying theme of like technology versus nature that's going on here, and um, you know, with the with the reintroduction of von Stroheim, who is sort of, I, I mean, I feel like von Stroheim is like the ultimate in character embodiment of like technology like he is literally half technology uh he's a nazi and the nazis sorry 
the cyborg and also because he's a nazi he was sort of portrayed as being you know not a good person yes so that associating technology with not being a good person um i mean i i so like i definitely want to get into that um the the one thing i was actually going to say was sort of in relationship to um his battle with cars where um you know cars is a pillar man we sort of established that the pillar men are um like symbols of nature or um you know natural uh force um and like uh von Stroheim initially being the symbol of technology he in in their fight um stops uh cars's uh attack with his metal hand and he's like you know barely scratched from that and then cars what what causes cars to win the the fight against von Stroheim is when he uh, breaks out the the chainsaw blade which um it's obviously it i mean if it we're, is what it is. if we're being technical it is natural but um it, it's a very unnatural image to see a chainsaw you know i mean that, that's what it functions as trying to like i'm coming up with something in my brain right now because i was writing down notes and yesterday i didn't have any of that and now i'm trying to formulate all of it right now and i kind of get the vibe that like once again cars might not be the best I'm sure what the word is symbol be used for versus nature i feel like definitely like santana fit that incredibly well and acdc and wamu didn't really they kind of did a little bit but not really and then cars is like it, I'm, tr I'm trying to okay i had something and then it was gone it was like he is still using technology of sorts to further himself because the stone mask is technically a type of technology all of this kind of you know all of ex experimenting his you know creation that's all technically part of you know what i originally said that they seemed to be fighting against which they kind of are but they're just doing it in a different way i guess this is just another lovely gray area something that exists so much in part two which i love it's always like like a like i guess a positive and a negative about each character none of them are entirely good or entirely bad but also none of them are entirely playing in their own themes and none it's just you know it's like von stroheim he's like yes i respect bravery and whatnot and human greatness but he's also like nazi and then you also got cars who's like i just said stuff about that um no I, I don't know. <laughs> I, had, I had a thought and it went away. You uh, got Joseph. Were you gonna say? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like you definitely had something there. Um, I'm just not able to talk today. It's it's all good. Um, I'm I'm just gonna let you. You, you had something about Joseph, right? It almost did. <laughs> you almost did. Okay. It almost did. I thought of something and then the words left me. All right. Better. Well, um, so I, I, I guess I can, I can try and expand on a couple of the things that you've said, uh, right now. Uh, if it, if it comes to you, you know, feel free to, to interrupt me. Um, but, um, yeah. So let's see. Uh, yeah. So no one character. We talked about the gray area. We talked about, um, and how that is sort of affecting, um. Uh, what these characters represent as uh, symbols in and of themselves. Um, I think that um, some care. I would I would say that some characters are like that more than others. I think Cars, in terms of uh, being a symbol, is definitely the most um, compromised that we've seen so far. In terms of, I mean, he's a pillar man, and we sort of established with the Santana scene and um stuff like that that the pillar men 
collectively are um, natural forces, but so far the pillar men we've seen right now, Santana, is, his thing is curiosity, uh, ACDC, it's sadism, Wamamu, it's honor, and um, cars. We've sort of settled on ambition, but he doesn't fit that quite as cleanly as, um, say, Wamu fits honor. Um, and it, it, you know, tying that in with, um, with Joseph, um, because, I mean, we're, we're obviously going to get into it in, uh, the remaining battle tendency discussions, but, um, the ultimate battle is going to ultimate, it's going to come down to cars versus Joseph. And, um, it sort of makes me think. So we have we have two characters who are um, the mo probably the most compromising we've seen, uh, compromising to themselves rather uh, that we've seen in Battle Tendency and really the whole series in general, um, and that's what the ultimate fight comes down to is these two characters who um, sort of don't quite fit in with. Um, other characters in the way they've been established and the sort of central theme that is pertinent to those, uh, side characters. Um, and I, I, you know, I think the pillar man, you know, the pillar man's ultimate goal is to ascend to godlyhood and to, you know, be gods, evolve, etc. Um, and I think sort of like this compromise and this sort of, you know, not quite fitting in is, it's almost like a, like a very human thing. Um, I mean, you think about Von Stroheim, who is like full on technology. He has like some respect for bravery and things like that, but mostly he's just like German science, man. Like that, that's my thing. Um, and Von Stroheim is not like fully human. Um, we think about Caesar and we think about how, uh, Caesar is so, uh, devoted to family, yet, uh, he dies because of Wamu. And it's, it's at the end of Battle Tendency, the final fight, it's ultimately the characters who really do not symbolically fit into a situation that make it out the best or make it out, um, okay, um, which sort of makes me think that uh, the show is telling us something um, that we need to be um, flexible or we need to, you know, like not always go with the grain. Um, at, at least that's my uh, interpretation uh, of that. Yeah, that's a hella point right there, which sort of goes into what I originally thought, but I didn't just like have words for it or Sort of like one should not devote themselves entirely to a cause. It's like it's normally the kind of thing that you think of that you should do, but at the same time, can't just you know people generally just don't do that. They generally don't want to, and if they do, it often leads to self destruction. Like if you keep, you know, if you only dedicate your life to one thing, you know it might sound good, but in the end. You know, you're probably not going to enjoy it because you can't just do one thing all the time. Just sort of bullshit in here. But uh, <laughs> the other thing was it can't just be technology versus nature. And what I mean by that is when people, especially now in like environmentalism debates and whatnot, where some people are like, let's just get rid of all of it and go back to nature. Nobody actually wants to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't like, want to okay, do that. I don't want to do that either, but at the same time, it's like, but I don't want to destroy forests. That's not fun. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's almost like knowing the fact that they don't entirely fit into each theme, respectively. It's almost showing that, once again, that's not a realistic sort of thing to happen. Like, there's a lot of, like, stories out there, like the Lorax TM... <laughs> and even like that, I, even even back to Doctor Stone a little bit, it's either have it or you don't, and that's generally not how it works. The other the on uh, the side of the good in Doctor Stone, the Science Kingdom. Oh yes, Kingdom <laughs> of Science, love that for them. Um, 
a blend sort of nature and technology together. They're very much aware that you need both and that you can't destroy nature to have technology. But the other side that they are fighting against is the opposite of that. They believe that no technology is the ideal. But our boy Senku here has discovered that that is not the case. So basically people now, they fight for stuff like oh, let's just not have fossil fuels. And I feel like the fact that... We, we get, we, we're doing a deep cut here, okay? Um, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, it's like nobody wants to actually... And, it, and it's not telling us to actually get rid of technology like most, like, like most of these stories tell. It's like, oh, the only thing that you can do is just get rid of all of it. But this is more, more of a um, realistic example where it's like, ah, yes... You know, our boy Cars may be sort of a symbol of nature. You know, he could shapeshift later on, make his hand into a squirrel, and I can fly now. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, control piranhas. Who knows why? <laughs> despite all of that, and then despite, you know, Santana's obvious connections with, like, being a symbol of nature, it's like, at the same time, he... You know, that's just not a thing that's going to happen. And even with Joseph, he's not like, ah, uh, yes, uh, he's not like Stroheim, who is just like German science is the best in the world. He's literally just vibing, and I'm pretty sure he's probably neutral on the subject, so. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it, I mean, he's sort of got the, he's almost got like the balance, if you think about it, because like, um, like Haman is like a natural uh, force, um, and Haman, Jesus. <laughs> but he also uses, <laughs> but he also uses like man-made uh, things. Like he uses the clackers. Uh, or, I mean, uh, it, you know, later on in the series, this man is famous for crashing planes. But like, <laughs> he still knows how to fly planes and use you know guns and stuff like that um so he really is like this balance of of nature and technology that we're sort of uh talking about card almost is that balance too he's like slightly geared towards nature a little bit but even then he's not entirely supposed to be nature Mm -hmm. which is something that makes jojo part two so difficult for me to talk about because one, it's just very, very gray, and two, some of the writing isn't the best. Oftentimes it is pretty good, but sometimes it's not. That just makes it hard. But we're gonna we're gonna vibe. We're yeah, gonna do it. I mean, it, it, if you're watching, if you're listening to this, well, first off, thank you. But um, it, it should be noted that like we are giving ourselves a challenge by analyzing this, this series in such a way. <laughs> Uh, um yeah it, it i mean definitely a show that we're supposed to be entertaining but um anyway let's get into more deep discussion now that we've sort of put egg on our face um so okay. i i kind of want to feel like no go ahead it's like i feel like we're, we should talk about like the big thing that happens basically just caesar tm yes uh you took the words right out of my mouth um Fantastic. i'm glad we're on the same page yeah so uh you, uh you brought it up uh, why don't you start with that okay let me consult my less than one page of notes <laughs> because i didn't feel like we'd have a whole lot to talk about where where where's she at I feel like that's, like, sort of a common thing with whenever we do this. is like, yeah, I don't know, like, how much we're going to be able to talk about, and then, like, we fill the hour easily. <laughs> like, because, it's because, like, the brain cell bounces between the two of us, where it's, like, one thought bounces off of another, and then suddenly galaxy brain happens, whether you think it will or not, and sometimes it doesn't happen. But that's fine. It's true. Because... <laughs> Why I didn't realize that JoJo Part Two would be like so hard to analyze. <laughs> part One was fun. I actually enjoyed the hell out of analyzing Part One because it was like it was easier. That like there was a lot. It was you know some of it wasn't, but feel feel like there was more there in some points. It was less gray, but it was still gray. I feel like we'll have an less. easier time when we get to start us Crusaders. Oh, 
but, do have words about Stardust Crusaders. <laughs> but That's anyway, uh, well, let's talk about okay. Caesar for now. About Caesar, all right. Um, I feel like when that that big fight between the two of them, and Joseph, is something probably the most interesting thing to me that happens in these three episodes is when Joseph says, "Family that you never knew who died for some purpose that you barely even know about doesn't mean anything." Yeah. It, it shows a very big difference between the two of them. Honestly, I straight up be agreeing with my boy Joseph here. Like, Caesar, what are you doing? You died because you were too dedicated to some dude you didn't even know. And it's like, fine, because it was like the right thing to do, I guess. But at the same time, oh, he was so dedicated that he just couldn't sit still and went and got himself killed. Joseph was like, I right, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm not like super emotionally attached to this, and I don't think we should be because we're trying to save the world. So relax, chill, bro. So you know, it. So they they, they pass it like men, and then other. Yeah. Um. So I I actually had a really interesting thought. Um. When I was watching these episodes, I, I was sort of wondering like. Is the fact that, um, is Joseph's character arc that he goes through in Battle Tendency actually, um, a bad thing? Um, because, so, um, that scene that you brought up I think is super important where, um, he's talking about, like, um, like, why do you feel attached here to a bunch of family that you never knew, um, things like that, um, and, you know, we've sort of seen that this is a consistent element of, you know, what Joseph thinks, like, he cares about his immediate family, um, Arena and Smokey and all, uh, all those characters, but, you know, he's, he's not really concerned with legacy, um, but, and I know I just said, uh, we'll talk about Stardust Crusaders later, but I'm gonna bring up Stardust Crusaders now, um, when we get to, yeah, when we get to, you. when we get to part three, um, Joseph's arc is basically all about, um, how he is motivated to fight Dio, who is a villain from the Joestar's legacy, and he's motivated to fight Dio because, uh, Jonathan could not kill Dio, um, so Joseph ends up being motivated by the exact same sort of, uh, thing that Caesar does, um, and so, and, you know, even after Caesar dies, I believe, when Jojo is taking, or Joseph is taking Messina back to, um, the hotel that the, the Joe bros are staying at, um, he sort of thinks, like, you know, I, I used to be all about myself, but, uh, like, I never cared about, the family legacy and things like that. Um, but now that Caesar's dead and he's like thinking about it more and like that sort of, I mean, he's been, he's been pretty good up until now, but like now that he's sort of thinking more and more about family and legacy and what that all means. Um, I mean, I think there's, I think there's definitely going to be some consequences to that in, uh, part three. Um, and just sort of makes me think that maybe this is, we're seeing a character arc from Joseph, but the character arc is sort of saying that he is, like, worsening as a person, perhaps. That is an incredibly interesting thing to bring up. I did not think of that, but now I have two other thoughts <laughs> because of that. This is the good stuff. The ricocheting, that one scene. <laughs> the brain cell ricocheting. I love so much, but we're gonna get into that later. Um, thought of two things when you said that one, either he did indeed, you know, negatively develop, I guess. At the same time, they never really showed that happening. And right. you know, you, we we know how part three is, right? The plot is absolute bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly feel like this is probably you had what what you said right there was a very very interesting point I, I i kind of vibe with the idea that he developed negatively but at the same time 
like the jump and the fact that it was never really you know nothing was ever really said about it and just the fact that joseph is the kind of person that he is in part two i almost feel like just like the jump and like the differences might might just straight up be bad writing because of part three just has a, a history of having plot elements that don't make any sense at all like literally the, the you know i have so many words about yeah. part three the plot characters in part three they're great i enjoy them they're not the best but they're they're, they're good they're, we have some very very good characters in part three and then there's some that are like okay and then you know but the, but they're all like pretty good but the plot literally doesn't make it's just, it, there's so many things that are just so bad about the plot in part three um <laughs> they're so painful what what so <laughs> I, I'm trying to save it. Hold on. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, um, I, 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 again, we sort of feel like we do this every episode, but we don't want to get too far into Stardust Crusaders. We definitely want to save that for when we do the Stardust Crusaders breakdown. Um, I wanted to say that I'm that might just be bad writing. Yeah. Um, track record. Maybe. I mean, I think the one thing that sort of goes against my, you know, theory, if you want to call it, is that um, uh, it's never really framed as a negative thing. Um, it's another thing. It's just like you have to think, you have to do a couple extra steps to, like, make the connection. Um, I will say, I have uh, a couple things um, related to that sort of negative development and my big old toxic masculinity theory um favorite you you know i love that theory Thomas. <laughs> yeah so it, it, i mean it's not you know overwhelming but i i do think it is uh significant so uh talking about caesar's backstory where so you know mario much like william um uh, abandoned his family to go and fight uh, evil, um, but and and they the 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 characters sort of frame that as like oh he did it for his children he did it you know for these noble reasons and you know th there is truth to that I mean regardless of what you think. Um, uh, about like the morality of what they did, I think it's fair to say that both William and uh, Maria were motivated by um, you know good intentions. Um, but that being said, um, I think like like you think about like the logistics around, especially Mario leaving his family. Like no 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 explanation to Caesar, who is like the oldest child. Just, like the dude just like goes away um and then um like once lisa lisa explains all this to jojo jojo's like oh like I, you know i i'm he, he doesn't say it directly to caesar but he says like i'm sorry caesar like i i i didn't know all this like it sounds like mario was a, a good man and it's sort of like this like almost you know, rewarding thing for the way Mario um, acts. And that, you know, obviously Mario is not a character that we spend a particularly long time with, but it's just sort of a, like, we're going to honor this guy's behavior, even though it, it feels like there are a lot of things that Mario could have done to at least explain the situation or, you know, like, 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 somehow take care of his kids so that Caesar doesn't become, like, a, a gang leader in Rome. Um, and it's just kind of like um, a, uh, what's the word, like a validation of that behavior by saying, like, oh, um, Mario was, like, a good guy all along. That's another interesting thing to bring up that I could possibly say something about. Oh, to legacy for the, the hottest of minutes. We, we got 
Caesar, who is so dedicated to his legacy because he was like, oh, my dad actually didn't, well, he did abandon him. That's, that's, that's my point. He abandoned him still. I'm just, it still like baffles me how, like, despite the fact that he did that to quote unquote protect his family, even though it's, you know, he could have definitely made an effort to still be there. Like he could have possibly even done both. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't see how he couldn't have. In all honestly, in all honestly, honesty. Okay, um, so it's it's so interesting to see how like, you know, the the Zeppelins generally like Mario and you know William abandoned Mario and Mario abandoned Caesar for this grand purpose. For some reason, that cycle continues, even though it proved to never be a good outcome for anybody. And I'm, it just confuses me why Caesar would be so dedicated to such a thing. I mean, it, you know, he did discover that was doing it to protect the world, but at the same time, I feel like if I were Caesar, I'd still be kind of pissed at him for literally abandoning his family and leaving a bunch of children to fend for themselves. Like, you know, despite the fact that what he was doing was protecting the world, I feel like he still could have at least also protected his children. Yeah, or just like, you know, like even if he couldn't, just like leave a note or something, yeah, you know? Like, like, <laughs> please tell them I'm doing something for the good of humanity and I still love you guys. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I mean... No, then you just let Caesar have daddy issues for several years. And I think that um, it it's like it's God. I'm 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 confusing my own theory, but I I think this is a smart idea worth uh, expanding upon. Um, so you know they sort of bring up this fact that like all the Zapellis like die for this, um, like die to fight evil or uh, you know what have you. Um, and it, it almost makes me wonder, like, um, is this sort of like, like, I mean, we're not, so in, in case you guys missed the first couple episodes or, or, you know, forgot what I, we brought up in those episodes, my big to toxic masculinity theory is that the first three parts of JoJo are all about uh, displaying, like, examples of toxic masculinity and the uh, parts four, five, and six are all about deconstructing that, um, but it 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 makes me wonder if they're sort of diving into that deconstruction a little bit early by saying that all the Zapellis who do these these shitty things like leave their families and stuff like that also happen to die, whereas. Um, I mean, we, we see it less with Joseph in Battle Tendency, but we will see it in Stardust Crusaders. Um, and you compare that with the Joe stars, who um, always make an effort, um, for the most part, for their family, um, as, we'll, as we see in parts one, two, and three, I want to stress. Um, we see the Joe stars make an effort uh, to, you know, they, they're, they're family-oriented, but they, they don't abandon their family. Again, parts one, two, and three, part four, things are going to change in that aspect. But, um, yeah, so it makes me wonder, like, um, you know, within this first half of the series that uh, that is sort of being like a, uh, like, that's that's the difference between the Joe Stars and the Zapellis is that the Zapellis are sort of like we said in the beginning, actually devoted solely to the destruction of evil and, uh, you know, things like that. Whereas the Joe stars are, I mean, they're, they want to save the world, stop evil, do all that stuff, but they also, uh, care about their family and, um, care about, uh, their friends, uh, just as much as they care about, um, you know, stopping the bad guy and saving the day. That's, I could also off that point onto another one based on that point my signature move the, the secret Vinkles technique as I like to call it <laughs> um, <laughs> okay 
I spent too much time being silly. Okay. 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 Okay, I literally forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, oh, wait. Okay, I got it. Okay. Okay, okay, go. Got it. So you got our boys, the Joe Stars, as you said, being more being as dedicated to their families as they are with help making the world a better place, and the Zeppelis being le like significantly less dedicated to their families and more dedicated to the good of the world. I feel like Jonathan could almost be considered someone more similar to a Zeppeli than a Joe Star because he does. It, it, it's you. It's probably like not the best argument to make. Because he was, you know, going to be dedicated to his family, but then Dia was like, no, you're going to die right now. I feel like this, you know, does bring up a point where the fact that, you know, it almost like as you watch JoJo and as you start to, like, get into it, and especially when you finish it, you almost like because of the fact that Jonathan is only in one part because he is like, you know, he dies pretty young... And just as all of you know, the Zeppelins did, they all died pretty young, you know, leaving their family with nothing, with no memories of them, barely at all, because they were gone so quickly. I feel like it almost seems that, you know, the effect that Jonathan has on the rest of the series is almost showing the effect of what William and Mario had on Caesar and the rest of the, the many Zeppeli children, because I know like Caesar had like four siblings or something. I don't know. Cause I always it's it's an interesting thing that I've been thinking about for a while that may or may not contribute into one of my theories. We all have our own big theories that we're gonna do whole videos on, which is the very exciting. So it always seems that because, you know, Jonathan was only in part one, he actually, and that, like, none of his family ever even really met him. Like, his own son did not know him at all. Especially his grandson did not know him. It always seemed like, you know, despite the fact that the plot started with Jonathan, it seemed like it all truly started with Joseph because he actually lived to meet future generations and to, like, all the tale of that one time he defeated a bunch of uh, I don't even know how to describe them. Bunch of Aztec strippers. <laughs> bunch of Aztec stripper gods. Um, <laughs> so because because of the fact that he's like in part two, but he's also in parts three and four, it, all, it almost seems like that's where it all started from. It sort of gives that, despite the that not being the case, it gives that impression because he was there through most of it. He was the, you know, you know, Jonathan. What he did affected what would happen to, you know, family members later on because of Dio. But at the same time, Joseph had more of an effect on it because he was actually there and sometimes not there, but eventually there for his family. He, you know, went on a big road trip with Jotaro, and they had some funky times, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, then, eventually, he met his bastard son, and, you know, became a part of his life. So, that, that was, that was good. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so that, that's, do you get what I'm saying there? I do get what you're saying. I think, um, uh, I, I, I guess it, <laughs> Another common theme in these episodes is I'm going to try and summarize and just tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, so <laughs> it's your secret technique. <laughs> the I power to summarize. I say something based on something that you said, and it's very, like, all over the place, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to summarize it, and I'm like, good, because I barely, I can't summarize what I just said. So, from, from again, what it sounds like to me is, like, so, we, we've talked a bit about how Jonathan and Dio's confrontation is always framed as this legendary, big, sort of world-shaking event. Um, 
And part of that is sort of that Jonathan dies, that uh, it, be, it becomes this sort of legend. But the fact that Joseph is alive, and especially the fact that Joseph is a very goofy dude, um, sort of demystifies his um, his his adventures. Um, and as a result, the the Joe stars um, in parts one, two, and three can sort of afford to have um, a part part family focus where um, you know it, it, they don't have to live up to the legacy because they can see the legacy and the legacy is a slightly racist. Um, you know, but well-meaning, goofy guy. <laughs> <laughs> like he—he's yeah. not—he's not a legendary figure, you know. I mean, I feel like he—he he could be, but it's like one thing that was sort of like a missed opportunity was like not even sure if like Jotaro ever knew about the wacky things that he did when he was a youngin. Like, ever tell him that? I would hope so. I would think so. I mean, I mean, it was kind of like a major event in his life. Well, hmm, that's, that's actually a good question um, that I don't have the answer to. Um, <laughs> no, of course you don't. Only Araki knows. I mean, I, I could imagine that Joseph probably told Holly and then Holly told Jotaro. But I don't It'd be think... so cool if we actually got to see that. That I mean, that, <laughs> just imagine like young Jotaro just like freaking out that like his grandpa did all this crazy stuff. At the same time, it would be funny, but it would also like add to the emotional effect so much more. It already sort of adds to it because you know the person who was reading or watching it is already like, oh my god, that guy did so many cool things, <laughs> and he's like still vibing, especially when that I don't know. I shouldn't talk about part. There's that scene in part four where it's like, wow, he's old now. Oh, yeah, Josuke yeah, for sure. Know anything, and Josuke doesn't know about all of the wacky shit that he has done. Very cool things that he has done as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll just say one thing and then uh, bring it back to Battle Tendency, but I, I definitely do think that is intentional that uh, Josuke well, yeah. is sort of unknowing of his heritage but um okay I mean, normally he wouldn't be because he's kind of like you know yeah or another one night stand right and then never, hey get it one night stand <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> god damn it then, emily like, <laughs> just relief okay this is um, what I was born to do. No, that was good. Well, speaking of comic relief, um, do you want to talk about the silly stuff? stuff? I have a. See, that's that's what I was excited about because I didn't have any like. We had a couple of like brain cell moments, but like, I was just laughing when I was watching them. So we got. I, I watched uh, once again going back from sub to dub, both of which have very very iconic moments, but I absolutely love. I forgot his name again, who plays Joseph in the dub. Like uh, the ben Diskin, that... I believe. Yes. He literally just, like, opens up the episode screaming, Hey, Rifleheads, what's a guy gotta do to get some food around here? And just, like, the way he says it is just so, like, so much bastard in the tone. <laughs> and I very much appreciated it. And then he... Then he's just like being silly as like Cars is just murdering a bunch of Nazis and Stroheim is there and he's <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, and then there's Joseph going on that silly monologue about how Stroheim is a bastard Nazi who struts around like he's better than everyone else, yeah. but he still says he still says, I am a bit happy. They had a major bro moment back, you know, not too long ago. For sure, yeah. Um, I, I, I can't remember what Von Stroheim says, but he's, he, he, like, like, digs him about that a little bit. Um, <laughs> he's like, don't cry that I'm back, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. to me, the most iconic <laughs> moment is obviously, uh, pinball cars, 
Oh my um, god, that is literally my favorite scene in the entirety of JoJo thus far. Which is, I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like that's like a really... Like, if, if it wasn't like the specific way in which he like bounces around, I feel like that would be a really sort of symbolically significant scene. But just as it is, just the image of deadpan cars and him just like bouncing the hell around this like cliff is just so funny to me. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna do a whole breakdown because I remember like a few weeks ago I like texted the group chat and I was like, okay, my favorite jokes of all time. And then I went into a breakdown of exactly why I think it was like forgot what what scene it was i think i did like this i did a whole breakdown of why a certain joke from bojack horseman was like one of my favorite jokes of all time and i went on like this whole tangent on why it was good <laughs> like went in depth i'm gonna do that right now so it's not gonna be nearly as good though because <laughs> this is like that was like a you know there was words there there's no words here so you got cars he's falling down a cliff right like, literally, you know, normally a person would die, but he's just completely deadpan. He knows he's fine. He sees some flowers down there. This is like that one time when he didn't kill a dog. He doesn't want to kill the flowers either. That's just another example of that happening. So, he, you know, he's like, I don't want to hit these flowers, but he doesn't say anything. He's just deadpan. And then he just, like, reaches up his arm and then just, like, elbows the wall really hard. I love the sound effects that they use because yeah. it's so incredibly loud. Very crunchy sound effects. It's very crunchy and very much sounds more like construction work happening. <laughs> like someone bouncing around. Because he literally, like, is harder than the stone that he's hitting. That sounds bad. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> he just elbows the wall. And then just bounces around incredibly loudly, like several times, ricocheting off the walls and off the ground until he finally slams into the ground, stands up, still deadpan, and just looks at the flowers that he didn't crush. And not to mention, he starts like laughing hysterically. Yeah, that's a like minutes later, and then immediately stops to be deadpan again. Yeah, it's yeah. Such a, it, so. It's just so funny. <laughs> yeah, I remember the first time I saw that, like, a year ago, I was, like, I had to pause it. I watched it, like, five times. I, like, rewinded <laughs> it five times because it was just so funny. Oh, it's great. I also love the dub, once again, Stroheim and the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. I'm going to pluck you like a chicken! <laughs> That's great. He says, I am not merely human, I am more, as a machine gun just emerges from him. Yeah, machine gun von Stroheim is hilarious. Let's mention another underrated moment in the dub is where Cars is running at Stroheim. Like, attack him, and Stroheim isn't moving. All he says is, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Oh, um... It's just so dumb. There's some pretty funny, um, like, bad English in these episodes as well. Please. Um, I forget what it is specifically, <laughs> but it, 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 so it's like when Caesar is, like, pulling up Jojo from the icicle rope, and he says something like, um, oh. he's like, nice work, Caesar John, <laughs> or something like that, and it's like, wow. <laughs> And 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 especially the the translation, which is something like um, it's something in Italian actually, and it's like Caesarino is what he calls Caesar. It's like both <laughs> of those are just perfection. Just oh boy, I love the English. It's so good. Uh, okay. I have any other things? Oh yeah, um, one thing that made the thing that I loved was when they were that random vampire that Lisa Lisa and oh Rosie yeah got, that scene had so much in it but we had um yo-yo master over here <laughs> and that guy calls it he's like what do you got like the, 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 the clacker volleys he's like is that a yo-yo and all I could think about was but the yo-yo master did not answer he just kept on yoing <laughs> <laughs> and 
to mention when like Lisa Lisa like did something cool, like was just being a queen as usual. And then this 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 thing this creature before her says, "I don't like how stuck up Fia treat me like that." And I was like, "Oh my god, this vampire's an incel." <laughs> he really is. <laughs> And that was just, like, I, like, cringed. The thing that always, like, weirds me out about this particular vampire is that, like, all right, so, like, he shows off that, like, his, he's got, like, spikes that he can, like, you know, shoot out of him. But, like, for some reason, his hair disappears when yeah. the spike comes out. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell? Oh, oh man. I also appreciate, appreciate, appreciate is <laughs> what... The lovely, like, background music for when Joseph found out that Lisa Lisa was 50. And he was just like, if you were a baby 50 years ago, you're you're 50? And then he was like, and he's just like, you're old. <laughs> he was just, like, deadpan. Yeah, it's so great. Um, and then, like, especially when he's, like, like, a little bit after that where he's, like, he's, like, looking around her and he's, like, it's like, oh, do I see a wrinkle there? And she, like, glares at him. It's like... Another, like, thing that I found, like, I don't think it was intent like intended to be funny in that same scene where Joseph, like, hands Lisa Lisa the pictures that he took and, like, wanted an explanation. He didn't say anything. He just looked down at her with this, like, very specific face that looked very... Like an expectant child. He literally <laughs> was... I don't know how to describe the way his face was drawn there, but he didn't see, he it wasn't angry. It was like a two-year-old who wanted something. <laughs> <laughs> then she was just like, oh, you want an explanation? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The vibe I got from that scene, and I don't know why, but I just, I, I just thought it was really funny. Oh, man. Yeah, all of this stuff is like, I don't know why it was funny. It just was. No, I mean, there's a lot There's a lot of examples of that in this whole series. I feel like it's oh, accidental funny one. stuff. Another one. I have I have several more. Okay. <laughs> I just realized that. So we got, um, in the dub, there was this glorious moment, once again, back at the beginning scene, where... British accent fails terribly and it like becomes like this entirely other accent when he says was this in my horoscope it was like it turned into this I don't know how to describe what kind of accent it was but it just like immediately switched off into something else and I just did not understand it <laughs> I was just oh no it was good also like they literally have you ever seen Rebels Without a Cause I have not Oh, there's a scene in that movie, right? They have this... I watched it in, like, a class in high school, and I remember it was a very intense scene that, because of bad special effects, made us all laugh our asses off. So, <laughs> <coughs> it's very similar to what Cars and Joseph did when they were going after the stone. So, the, the, the whole challenge was, is that these two dudes were like yo, I gotta prove how manly I am to you, so let us, like, do a trial of death. So let's get in our cars, you in your car, and my and me in my car, we're going to drive as fast as we can towards this cliff, and whoever jumps out of the car first is a chicken. <laughs> and they called it the chicky run, and I just kept thinking about that when I was watching that scene. <laughs> Literally what they were doing... <laughs> The best part about that scene in the movie is that, like, the, the our main protagonist was in that thing, and there was, like, this this guy that was mean to him that was doing it. So, the protagonist jumps out of the car right before to literally this rocky, watery grave off a cliff. He jumps out, he survives. But his his adversary over here was actually going to jump out before he was, but like his car door jammed and he couldn't get it open, <laughs> so he flew up. <laughs> and it, 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 the, this is where the bad special effects came in. It, it it was like this was this movie was made in the fifties, so the special effects just imagine that it was bad. 
the car just exploded at the bottom of the cliff, and it looked really, really unrealistic and bad. And all of us, at this guy dying, just started laughing our asses off. <laughs> <laughs> was so bad. Same energy as car as the car's pinball. Yes. No oh, man. When Cyrus and Joseph were going after the stone, they were like, "I can't stop! I'm about to run off this cliff." <laughs> All right. It was just the thing. That was the thing it reminded me of. No, that's good. Um, any other uh, last-minute silly things you want to talk about? You know what? I don't think I have one. All right. So, with all that said, this is beefer of an episode. Not as beefery as the last episode we did, but still kind of a beefer. Um, okay. So, uh, if you... Uh, want to continue uh, reading and listening to all the silly and sometimes occasionally serious stuff, I have to say you can follow me on Twitter at Thomas M. Brickman. Um, I also do another podcast uh, where me and my buddy Kev break down video game news, uh, do reviews, and uh, a couple of silly segments. Our next episode is actually going to be sort of a uh, a multiplayer psychoanalysis Sort of a sort of a thing, so uh, you definitely yeah, you definitely want to check out that episode. Um, you can find it here on YouTube. Uh, it's post game content, or you can always um, keep up with updates um, on Twitter at post game con. That's at post game con. And uh, Emily has social media too. It's uh, at Emily Vinkles on Twitter. You're doing it for me because I kept forgetting to do it. <laughs> and <laughs> and if you if you want to keep up with all the the news, the awesome memes that Emily finds and makes uh, for this podcast, you can follow the podcast social media. That's at I want to fight AR one on Twitter and I want to fight Araki on Instagram. And we'll see you guys next time for uh, it's not a, it's not a we got. Only two episodes to watch next time. It's going to be season one, episodes 22 and 23, Battle Tendency episodes 13 and 14. And with all that said, we'll see you guys next time.